Welcome to Healing the Spirit, a space where we awaken our creativity, deepen our connections, and remember who we are through the lens of astrology, archetypes, and art making. I'm your host, Jonathan Coe. In today's episode, I had a conversation with my friend, Mallory Dowd. I met Mallory through The Magician's Table, a container for emerging readers facilitated by our mutual mentor, Britton LaRue. Most of us who joined the first iteration of the course in 2021 lived in the US, but Mallory was calling in from Seoul, South Korea, and so she would be sending in these voice notes to share her reflections rather than attending live because of the time differences. We usually start the meetings with Mallory's share, and I could just feel the group's collective nervous system sinking into, tuning into Mallory's voice. And it was such a beautiful, magical experience that felt to me like we were coming gradually to this fireplace vibe that Mallory has created, to be warmed by it. So it feels like this conversation is a beautiful full circle moment. Um... For me to have a conversation with her and also to be sharing her voice with all of you within this format. Let me start off by reading Mallory's bio for you. Mallory Dowd is a tarot reader, artist, teacher, theater maker, storyteller, and mystic. She has been holding space for over 15 years in varying roles as a clinical case manager, domestic violence advocate, support group facilitator, teacher, and tarot reader. As an artist, Mallory aims to enchant and awaken, casting spells with her words and urgently embodying the gifts of creativity, imagination, and play. As a reader, she holds warm and compassionate space in which to embrace the energies and invitations that linger on the edges of awareness, desire, and change. She currently resides in Seoul, South Korea. In this conversation, Mallory and I discussed the archetype of Capricorn, which both of us feel can be quite misunderstood, or perhaps is just up for a rethinking, revisioning, and redefining. We spoke to how Capricorn can be understood beyond the confines of our patriarchal, colonial, capitalistic framework as the artist, the mystic, the ritualist, and the crone. Mallory also shared her beautiful love notes to Capricorn, some thoughts around how to work with the Capricorn energy when we feel like there's too much of it or too little of it within our system, and how Capricorn is personally meaningful to her when seen through the lens of her own lineage. One observation that I want to share ahead of time with all of you is that when I listen back to this conversation, I recognize that... um, Well, both Mallory and I are Virgo Risings, right? And so Capricorn rules our fifth house of joy, creativity, romance, self-expression. And so I was really sensing that we were talking about Capricorn through that lens, which is very personal to us and also perhaps more of a general experience with a lot of Virgo Risings. So I want to be very clear that Um, Our intention in this conversation is not to 
fully capture the essence of all there is to say about Capricorn, but really to be um, putting in a lens of devotional, um, devotional care and and love towards Capricorn that is probably specific to our Virgo rising lens. Um, I feel like in this conversation, th- there was something that I said to Mallory once in a in an Instagram DM, which is that I feel like she so urgently embodies art in her being. And I feel like you can sense that from this conversation. It's truly an electric, wisdom-filled transmission that I hope you will truly enjoy. All right, let's get into it. Here is my conversation with Mallory Dowd. Welcome to the podcast, Mallory. Thank you, Jonathan. I'm so excited for this conversation. I feel like maybe I say that every single time. Who knows? <laughs> but it's the truth. So, um, yeah. Me too. Okay. I have been starting uh, these conversations with asking folks about who they feel, sense, or know themselves to be in the present moment. And then, you know, what we'll do is we'll kind of retrace our steps back to like where you started. But if I offer that up to you at this moment, who do you feel yourself to be? Hmm. I feel like there's layers to my response to that question. Um, Peel away. Because even the question itself makes me think, who am I, but also what am I? Now, lately, lately, I'm, I think as a result of moving through this pandemic in the way that we've had to and learning from, I think from people, especially I'm thinking about writers and other artists like Sophie Strand, who I'm kind of like learning to, I'm like holding the duality of who I am. There's a duality there. Like, so on one hand, who am I? It's like, well, I'm, um, I'm a messy human. I'm an artist. Um, I'm, someone who's in relationship to the world, who's in relationship with other people, with, um, you know, this ecosystem around me. I'm a daughter and a friend. I'm a tarot reader. I'm an actor and a writer. So a lot of these things, who am I? A lot of it is like, what do I do? You know, (laughs) what are these things that I do with my time and with my energy? Um, but then also I'm like, I'm feeling on a deeper level lately because of sort of shifting my perceptions and my embodied experience of like thinking, okay, what am I as I'm, I'm a collection of (laughs) organisms, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like, I, me, Mallory, this is, this is the identity that I, that I carry and I'm loving, 
um, I love that identity and that self um, who I think is bright and generative and loving and creative, very creative person. And then also I'm like, well, I'm this body and this body is many organisms. And um, I don't know. And I'm also a, a visitor in Korea. I live in Korea as a white settler from you know, Michigan, mm. so-called Michigan, and I'm a guest in Korea, and I've been here a long time. So in that way, I also think I'm sort of a wandering, there's a wandering quality about me. So that that question I thought about, like, I I, I had a sense that will, that will be really hard to answer. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's intentionally so. Yes. Yeah, because I, I do think it's a vast question. And yes, I, I love what you said because I feel like it's interesting because that concept of kind of all, all the ecosystems that make up who we are mm -hmm. was really kind of introduced to me, certainly by Sophie Strand's writing, but also in my studies with Leah Garza. Mm. And every single time I hear that, I just immediately start paying attention to my gut biome. And it's kind of like, ooh, you know, they're all moving. <laughs> and they're yeah. doing this thing. And, and it's just very interesting because it kind of makes me think of part of perhaps what's scary about working with the body for a lot of people is how out of your control it seems. Mm -hmm. and, yes. and how working with the body helps us become maybe more humble mm -hmm. and more aware of our mind's limitations to, to kind of be in control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I know a lot of times in these conversations, we talk about our, you know, big three, like the sun, rising, moon. And for me, those are all earth signs. You know, mm. like Virgo rising, Virgo moon, Capricorn sun. And yeah. so I, I do, I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very aware these days of my body and sort of like the limitations of my body, li limitations as I experience them, right? Like um, I'm, I might have one idea about some, you know, what I want to do with my time and energy and my body is, uh, has a whole other set of needs and functions. Um, so yeah, I, I feel the pandemic also has really made me more aware of my body and what's happening. <laughs> yeah. I've been spending a lot of time, you know, on my own, isolated from others more isolated than I normally would be and that's a lot of time with myself and my body and and going inward and really um kind of building a fluency with I this I love that. Yeah, yeah. container. Building, <laughs> building a fluency feels extremely um important for me and and it seems to be a major theme for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious if you want to speak a little bit about your path, your tools, like the modalities that you work with, um, and and how how did you get here, Mallory? 
When I think about my path, I see like a series of spirals. Um, you know, I do experience life that way as this spiral dance in the words of Starhawk. So I think it's not just one path. We're never walking one path. We have many, but I guess right now the paths that I'm sort of a, a most aware of and walking intentionally or kind of conscious of and thinking about are like my path as, first of all, as an, as an artist. Mm. When you mentioned you know, in your, your beautiful introduction of me, you, you mentioned that you felt like that I seemed like I always had access to, I don't know, like this energy. I do think that that's, that does feel true to me, um, mm. that even in childhood, I've just always been a very creative person. I started doing theater really young. I was like brought into the theater and that, that became my life for so much of my early um, years. And I was always drawing and, um, I wasn't so much into writing early on, but mm. I come from a family of art artists as well. My brother is a professional writer and film critic. My, my mom is very creative. Her mother was so, um, just creative in so many ways. And so I think, um, it wasn't until recently that I kind of started to claim that like just I'm an artist. I and mean, I think we all are artists, right? But for yeah. me, I I I've always been I've just always had access to that part of me that wanted to dig into something and then like present it, express it in some way, like mm. in some theatrical way. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um yeah. So then, you know, there's also like the path of you know, becoming a, a magical person, you know, becoming aware of the magic in the universe. Um, mm -hmm. I wasn't raised with a, an acknowledgement uh, of that so much, but there were just points along the way in my life where thinking about it now, I just, I met all these people at different times in my life who sort of were like, here's this thing. Are you interested? And so many times I, I didn't really take it. You know, I'm thinking about my college roommate who mm. was Wiccan and she, I remember her taking me outside onto the lawn at midnight to, to do a cord cutting ritual because she and her ex-boyfriend broke up <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Um, and I think she may have either given me or introduced me to the reclaiming tradition and Starhawk and which is still the, the, primary magical tradition that I practice mm. um, and I'm learning from. But I didn't start practicing that until much later in my life. And I would meet these people. I remember going to like a, um, a pagan wedding when I was a teenager. And also I just thought I, I, seeing people engage in this kind of ritual like enchanted by it, but there was kind of no action taken on that. I just thought, wow, you can like, people do this sort of thing. This is something that, that like, you know, people in my community are practicing. Mm. And it wasn't until later on, I think when I, I had what we often describe as a healing crisis after leaving the USA and 
um, moving to Korea, I had a lot more spaciousness in my life. A lot of the things that I felt really tied to and that were taking up a lot of my energy and time, I, I was no longer so tethered to. And so I was like, I was able to um, reflect on a lot and being, being in a new culture, just a lot of things that you start to question that you didn't before. And, but what happened was that a lot of, I, I entered a really significant cycle of depression, which is a pattern in my life. And I started seeing a therapist. And during that time, the tarot kind of came to me. Um, mm. <laughs> I just, I, I was following a writer and she used um, the Wild Unknown deck. And I was yeah. really drawn to those images. So I bought that deck and I just started working with tarot. And through that, through my tarot practice, that's always, that's been like this foundation for me in building relationships with people, practicing you know, like slow practice over many years, learning how to um, touch into things. What I really was needing at that time was access to material that was not conscious, which is also what we're doing with art, right? <laughs> and right. I realize now. Right. But the tarot was was a tool that helped me. It helped me to kind of go beneath that veneer, you know, walk walk that edge into what was like beyond my conscious awareness. And I, um, of course, then I was I was hooked on this tool. It it has given me so much um, in the years that I've been working with it. And so now. Now I think the path I'm walking is about role, my roles in the world and how I'm kind of how I wish to embody the wisdom of these very personal paths that I walk, which of course are not personal. They're all happening at once. We're all dancing together. And now I'm, yeah, I'm just in this place of like sort of gratitude and humility and honoring all the lessons that I have learned through my lived experience and learning these practices and tools of which tarot is my most beloved um, and other modalities that I work with are kind of have sprung from that. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I also have been working very slowly and personally with plant medicine over a number of years, very slowly, just like making friends. I have friends in my cabinet that I work with um, yeah. who are very deeply supportive to me and um, writing as a magical practice, writing and my voice as a magical tool and instrument. Um, now I'm, I'm just, yeah, I feel very expansive and ready to experiment with these, all these kind of skills and resources that I've come to love and sharing them in community with others. <laughs> so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> it's very meandering. <laughs> I love it. No, actually, it's not meandering to me at all. I, I was okay, kind good. of... Yeah, I feel like you've you've never really we've never really talked about it in in that kind of you know more linear container. So I was 
Mm-hmm. I, I just find myself really drawn. And the question that emerged for me, and I, I, I wonder if you want to explore this a little bit before uh, getting into Capricorn, which I know is kind of like, you know, we, we had wanted Capricorn, the archetype of Capricorn to be the anchor for our conversation. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about how you learned tarot. And, and I'm not really meaning that in terms of like, I took this course, I took that course, even though that can absolutely be part of your answer. But I'm really talking about kind of this heart quality, right? Like, mm-hmm. like how did you, it, it really sounded to me the way you were telling the story that tarot came as a friend in time of need. And yes. I, I'm curious how, how that relationship deepened over time. Mm. Yeah, I think tarot came as a friend. And then what I, my reaction when you said that was also spirit came. Spirit came through tarot. <laughs> that, that's what I really think. Um, tarot, I, I love the craft and the practice of tarot I love, I love that there's this system that we can use or not. We can reject the system entirely if we want. And when I started learning tarot, I didn't care about the system. I, I didn't really, I, I wasn't interested in the kind of what other people historically or work now uh, we're saying about what the cards meant. I just, I just knew when I pulled a card, there was visual information there that then allowed me to kind of enter a portal into deeper knowing. And also really what I'm understanding now is that a card is a portal into a conversation. And so when I think about my early like my process of learning tarot. I mean, I would do daily, a daily tarot pull. And I would work through Mary Kay Greer's 21 ways to read a tarot card. I would describe the card. I would note the feelings that I got from the card. Um, I would write just free writing and write stories about what I saw in the cards. And then over time, you know, I, I've been keeping journals very devotedly for a number of years, and I started journaling again when I started reading tarot. So it's also very intertwined with my writing practice that mm. I would I keep very detailed indexes. It's like what Britain would call fi- would call field data, you know? Yes. I have page numbers in an index. And so I started to just notice patterns like what is this card coming? How am I feeling when this card comes up? Or what did I write about this card? And, you know, creating like this collage of characters that then were popular, came to populate this inner landscape that now I just love. I love going to. Tarot helps me just kind of turn the rest of the world off and enter this inner dream, dream landscape, imaginative landscape. But I mean, also it's there to point out things that I don't want to see. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing because I feel the truth of that. (laughs) (laughs) Like just, you know, oh, this card keeps coming. Oh, it was a mistake. Pull it again. 
I mean, that's <laughs> yes. And, and you know, that feeling of like, um, when you know what card's gonna come up and then it comes up like, oh, I didn't even need this tarot. I didn't need this card, right? <laughs> I already knew this truth. Um, but yeah, I mean, what I was doing was practicing listening. Listening to spirit and 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 the many forms that that can take uh and and one of those is my intuition my intuitive center um and all of that which kind of exists on the edge of conscious awareness it just becomes accessible through tarot i hope i answered you. your question did i yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely i i really love that what I'm hearing from you and I feel is kind of worth reiterating is the part about listening. Mm -hmm. I think so much about intuition is about listening and it's almost like, mm -hmm. I've been thinking a lot about how people, you know, in the beginning of their intuitive journey or intuition journey often ask, what if I don't hear anything, right? Like what if mm. nothing comes through and it's almost yeah, I think it kind of goes back to what we were saying about who we are and what constitutes our being mm -hmm. and the way that even nothingness or silence is probably, you know, a reminder to recalibrate into, into a slightly different sense of what information is available or how information is available. Absolutely. And also I'm thinking about Capricorn and just like, like time, like things unfolding over time. And I think that um, the practice of doing a daily tarot poll, I love that so much. And I, I recommend that to people, but it also does, it does create this. I think um, someone was writing about this. Um, maybe it's man of the cards was saying that like, there's this expectation when we do a daily poll that we come to almost, it, and it feels like a, like um almost an entitlement, like, mm -hmm. or either entitlement or a responsibility to then like live out what that card. I think, I think they were mostly talking about like you pull a card and then it's like, Oh, well now I have to, I have to embody this in my day or I have to look for this to happen in my day when, whereas it's like, that's not how it works. And I, I think it's, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think it's much more helpful to look at. And I think they also recommended this specifically, like look at your month. Mm. Britain has also recommended this in her workbooks where you take the notes, you take the data. That's even, it's much more helpful to notice in a month, Oh, I pulled a lot of cups cards. Or in a in a season, I pulled this one card many, many times. And then it's yes. like maybe that didn't have a, a super specific significance on that day that I pulled it, but when you take a longer view, then you're able to see the the kind of the cyclical invitation. Like what am I moving through on a from a longer view? And I think that's a very helpful way to work with tarot. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So, so I want to transition into Capricorn and mm -hmm. um, because I know from our conversations that you've been thinking a lot about Capricorn. Yeah. You are a Capricorn sun yourself and we're both Virgo risings. So for you, 
your Capricorn sun is right next to Jupiter in the fifth house. And you also have Neptune in your fifth house in Capricorn. And for me, I have a cluster of planets there, often called a stellium. Um, and so I guess, you know, that's that's to say that we have some Capricorn cred right? <laughs> in <Yeah>. our birth <laughs> charts and our <laughs> lived experience. Um, and I, I kind of want to start this by reading something that you wrote about Jupiter and Capricorn, because I thought that this was just such an incredible um, reflection and, and kind of just, I, I could sense you really building a relationship with Capricorn through this reflection. Okay. So you wrote this about how your Jupiter and Capricorn placement reminds you of Anne of Green Gables. Um, and this is from your Instagram. Okay. A plucky, optimistic, dramatic young person with big dreams thrust into a tragic and difficult landscape, losing her parents, maltreatment, estrangement, loss, strict caretakers and teachers. She's scrappy and reactive to the environment, but she can't help but retain her idealistic, hopeful, and theatrical spirit. She can wallow, but quickly bounces back. She gets lucky in ways that mitigate the hardship, and she always returns to her unwavering sense of optimism, awe, and poetic love of the world. Mm. <laughs> I love that so much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I love I, Anne of Green Gables so much. Yes. <laughs> what a great character, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think also in that post, I wrote something like, Anne of Green Gables is not me and I'm not her, but... But it it did feel very personal, like when that came, when that archetype came to me, it did feel like I, I, I really see myself in everything I wrote. I see my own kind of, um, I don't know, like having my son and Jupiter, you know, my son is in the fifth house. It's such a lovely, like that feels like such a gift to me, having mm. my son in the fifth house. Yeah, you know, um, it's like ah, it's just where it wants to be. It's where it can shine bright. And then having Jupiter right there, um, I remember reading like again. My knowledge of astrology is so limited, um, but like I was reading about combust planets, mm -hmm. and I, I think I was I, I I don't know like if a planet is too close to the sun. I, I a lot of what I read was like this is a problem, and I was like no. I think that also what I will add to that, right, is maybe when a, a planet like Mercury, you know, is so mm -hmm. close to the sun, then I think the combustness of that mm -hmm. configuration probably comes through more. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's so Jupiterian of you too to say, nope. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Not taking that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I reject this, I reject this, um, which honestly is a how I feel about a lot of astrology that I read on the internet, mm. um, not from my teachers. And yeah, so I, I really, yeah, I resonate with, um, and I'm thinking now at this moment how Anne of Green Gables is a series that has so many books in it. 
Mm-hmm. It's a really long series, actually. And I my I have a good friend who l- also loves this series and reread them recently. And I never read all of these books. I think there's like at least 10, if I'm remembering correctly. Though so it's like this long unfolding of a life. Um, but yeah, that that I feel really blessed by the Jupiterian influence in that part of my chart and having my having my son there it's like yes there there's a there's a lengthiness there's a slowness about <laughs> there's a slowness about coming into my sort of purpose for lack of a better word mm. it, it's been like a slow process yeah but and it's and it's been one of like if i'm honest the things that I tend to offer, like I'm thinking about showing up as a reader and a space holder. A lot of the wisdom that I've gained in my life has come from hardship, <laughs> which is true for so many people, right? That's like, mm-hmm. that's the, um, it's like you and I have talked about romanticizing pain and we don't want to do that. And we also don't want to say that you must suffer in order to become wise. But the reality is that the people in my life that um, offer so much to me as sort of healers and guides are those who are able to articulate like this, these are the hardships that I've been through and sort of how I've, how I moved through them. Mm. And for me, Jupiter is so important to that story and to that ongoing process because Capricorn to me does feel like so heavy there's a heaviness from sort of the weight of the world <laughs> carrying the weight of the world yeah. uh, wherever we go and also seeing like seeing the hardship all around maybe not feeling it the way that like Pisces might like just feeling all the sorrow but definitely like seeing and seeing the you know the corruption and the harm and feeling a sort of overwhelm by that mm-hmm. because like there's like, what do I, what can I do? I need to, you know, <laughs> we need to do something. What can we do? And and so um, I think there's been per- periods of my life where I did kind of drop into a depressive, melancholic place. Um, and, and Jupiter, I'm realizing now, has always been this sort of friend to me and this energy that I can tap into, like the, this sense of hopefulness and optimism and bouncing back, bouncing back from these states of sorrow. And if you, if anyone has read Anne of Green Gables, like she really gets into her sorrows. Yeah. <laughs> like she yeah. really feels them. When she's sad, it's like the world is ending. Um, mm-hmm. It's very dramatic. But even like I, lately I'm thinking about how theatrics are so nourishing to us. Like if we can be like the kind of the theatrical engagement with our um, harder feelings and how that can be a, a source of expressive, um, just a healing expression, I guess. Catharsis is the word. Yeah, catharsis. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I'm really thinking about specifically United States culture in 2021, right? Probably people will start listening to this in 2022, but I don't imagine it to be very different. Um, There is kind of this sense that, oh, you're being dramatic. 
you know, or, or somehow that dramaticness is a fault in, in one's character. And I feel like speaking about having Capricorn in fifth house, that's certainly something that I'm deeply aware of. You know, I have Saturn in my fifth house and I, I feel mm. I feel the self-consciousness comes through when I see myself as being dramatic. And at the same time, I really see the gift in that as well, right? And, and how when we are allowing ourselves to tap into the sorrow, the depression, you know, and kind of act it out, how much of, you know, art, is probably invented for that very reason, you know, <laughs> to create a container. And, and it's like to think about Capricorn, right? The cardinal mm-hmm. earth sign as the creator of the container into which we pour that over-the-top mm-hmm. um, expression that, funny enough, gets closer to the truth than kind yes. of a separate way of expressing, right? Yes, totally. And I that just makes me want to say something about Capricorn. And maybe you'll, I don't know if you'll weave this question in later, but um, I think one of the things I've never understood about the way that people talk about Capricorn, kind of in pop, I guess, pop astrology on the internet, <laughs> Capricorn is cold or unfeeling. I've read that so many times. And I'm like, no. <laughs> No, that's that that's so not true. Um, I think that I do think that with Capricorn, there's an interiority, and that maybe that's like also that's the comfort comfortable place. I can definitely I feel that that like holding, like moving through my biggest hardest emotions from an interior place feels really good to me. Um, Like sitting with my, sitting with my journal and writing out or like really feeling um, maybe for you, it wouldn't be journaling, but you know, like taking time, being away from others and dropping into your body to feel what's moving through you. Um, I just guarantee (laughs) that there is a, whole ocean of emotion in there. Absolutely. And and I and I think lately about what you said. I you shared that one of your teachers, maybe it was Diana Rose Harper, described Saturn as a water pipe. Is that right? Oh, that's not Diana actually. It's, oh, no. it's a it's a it's a colleague of mine. Her name's okay. Mia. Yeah. But Oh okay. Yes. So I was remembering that wrong, but that that you they had described Saturn as a water pipe. And I'm, I'm thinking lately about how Capricorn, you know, for so long I didn't acknowledge the watery aspect of Capricorn, even though it's the sea goat. This is mm-hmm. a creature that swims in the sea and climbs the rock. And I'm thinking about how, like, how it feels to sort of carry, like carrying water. <laughs> up a mountain. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, like, so as not to spill it on others. Like we're going to use this. <laughs> That's how it feels oh my gosh, me. Mallory, that is, <laughs> that lights a bulb for me. And I'm like, I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let it spill out. Don't let it spill out. Yes. This for our, you know, 
our creations. <laughs> totally. <laughs> wow. Yes. I. It's interesting because this is something that I. Um, I don't know if we will edit this out. Maybe we will. But <laughs> I love when podcasters say that, and I've always wanted yeah. to say that. <laughs> Maybe we'll edit Yay. this out. But um, it's interesting because it reminds me of like the water has to be boiled at a certain temperature before I let in um, folks whose time I respect. Not saying that I don't respect my friend's time, but but there's a different, I feel like, you know, when I have you, for example, on, I, I feel like we're kind of creating our container together and we're mm-hmm. learning together. And I almost feel like I don't want to waste people's time or something like that. And it's really interesting <laughs> because a lot of that is, I think, perhaps holdover from from like early childhood experiences of being told that before you do your work, don't come to the teacher, right? Or don't ask questions. And I I, I don't know if there's a question there, but I really feel like there's something you said about how Capricorn is an artist, a ritualist, and a mystic. Mm -hmm. And somehow I feel like that's relevant in this case. Yeah, I think so. Um, well, I think if I think about holding the water in, and it's so wild that you said like letting it boil because I even, yeah, I'll, I, I'll show you like, I'm holding a picture of this note that I took. It's like, I, I realized recently that yeah, where things are cooking is what I wrote about where do I where do I feel Capricorn in my body? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel it in my throat, but I also feel it like in the center of me where there is a cauldron and that's where things are cooking slowly over time. And maybe there's something, <laughs> this, this might be like a, I don't mean it to be like a positive reframe, but there might be something about like intentionality there that like, and that, that feels like very Capricorn to me, like wanting things to be right, mm-hmm. uh, wanting things to be just right, um, mm-hmm. and then and then presenting. So it's like, but that's sort of a funny thought to have about our inner experience of like, why do we need to be right? You know, like, right. what, what, why do we need to be a certain way? We just are yeah. who we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's interesting because sometimes... I'm just going to be very frank here that I'm not entirely clear if that's Capricorn, if that's my Capricorn mm-hmm. fifth house, or if that's my Virgo rising, because I think yeah. there's something about my Virgo rising too yes. that's kind of exacerbating that, right? Um, yeah. yeah. I always confuse those. I mean, like in myself, I never, I can't really parse them out. I feel like they help each other, but they also can be a lot. Absolutely. The respond weight of responsibility, Capricorn, plus the critic criticality and like you know perfectionism of Virgo can sometimes mean you don't do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that, that like a stuckness, right? Yes, yes, and this really reminds me of a conversation I recently had with a friend of mine. Um, her name is Eliza, and she's also a Virgo rising. And we were talking about how 
being a Virgo rising to me kind of feels like having this wider lens on life that, you know, if you were a cinematographer, it's like you have a camera that's able to capture scenes in three different rooms when maybe for other rising signs, they're only seeing one or even half a room. And Mm. the kind of complication that comes with this ability to see, but also this desire to consistently open the field, right? And and how that can be a lot to hold for one person. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also, as you were saying that, I was thinking about how I feel like so much of Virgo is also clearing away, like mm-hmm. the refinement. So it's like refining, getting rid of things that aren't helpful for the big vision. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Mm. Um, I want to bring us back to Capricorn. You had mentioned to me that in your personal journals recently, you have been writing these love notes to Capricorn and crones and, you know, this experience of being interior. And I'm curious if you feel called, would you mind sharing some of your insights with us? Like maybe some of your favorite insights? Mm. Yes, sure. I actually, a couple days ago, kind of took some of... (laughs) I took some of what I wrote and then wrote this. This is very unedited and um, meandering maybe, but it's kind of like a an ode to mm. Capricorn. I'm happy to read that if you'd like. I would it's, love that. Okay. <laughs> it, it's still just scribbles in my notebook, so it's not um, – we'll just see. Okay. <clears throat> I feel like I'm practicing an anti-Capricornian thing here, or like I'm I'm challenging my Capricorn nature in presenting something that's not fully cooked. So that's cool. Um, this is what I wrote. Capricorn is not a capitalist. Capricorn is a crone. Steeped in death and decay, but always moving in its slow way towards the light, growing slowly, steadily, brighter, along the mountain range. Capricorn is industrious, but what is its industry? Knowing deep in the bones the inevitability of pain and death and loss, Capricorn is the slow and sturdy rock whose subtle transformations pass silently by our frenzied human perceptions. Capricorn is ritual rooted in rhythm. You say Capricorn doesn't feel, But Capricorn has a tale for traversing the deepest depths of oceanic sensation, grief, anger, rage, sadness, amusement, pride, inspiration, and courage. You say you cannot see what Capricorn feels, and that is because the sea goat is a vessel for its ocean waters. We were talking about this before. Oh, this is really funny. I'm kind of laughing at myself in my writing here. (laughs) I wrote, clip-clop, clip-clop up the mountain they climb with all that feeling held inside an earthly body. Of course, Capricorn is discomfort, tension, constriction. You'd feel that tense. You'd feel tense too if you carried a whole ocean in you. 
Capricorn, you are the body, which is bones, which is earth. You are skilled because you gave yourself to your craft, your focus, your discipline, your storehouse of energy. For Capricorn, I know that when the time comes, you will walk and walk onward and upward as long as it takes to bring the revolution. You will climb from the waters, purify these polluted lands, reinstill the sacred nature of our magic, of our crafts. You will help us rebuild and reconnect with our sacred purpose. That segment definitely has roots in Diana Rose Harper's Venus and Capricorn offering recently. Mm. Capricorn is not some big CEO. Capricorn is a mystic. Oh, not some boring CEO. Capricorn is a mystic, intent on and capable of bringing spirit and matter together. Capricorn knows that we cannot solve every problem in the world or give every little thing our attention. And so Capricorn is perhaps dormant, perhaps brewing until the time comes when we speak our instructions, our decisive dreams to this edge-walking oracle. And with that, Capricorn will arise and begin walking. Wow. I just kind of want to like let that land for a second. Because it's incredible. It it gave me chills. And it also helped me understand something that I think maybe has been brewing in the back of my mind for a little bit. If you've been studying astrology for a while, Capricorn is a sign that's ruled by Saturn. Mm-hmm. And in traditional astrology, Aquarius is also ruled by Saturn. And so thinking about the, the, the different faces of Saturn, right? Showing up as Capricorn and showing up as Aquarius. Mm. What your reflection reminds me is how Capricorn is the mountain or the, the mountain goat that or the sea goat that's climbing the mountain. And then at the top of the mountain, having that view is Aquarius, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't stay in that view. You kind of have to then go back down and and continue to do the work right so i almost feel like there's this idea that's emerging in myself as i'm hearing you read about your reflection that it's almost like you can't break the rules you never learned right mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. and and how capricorn is about the devotion to learning the craft in yeah. order to then bring about that change that Aquarius is so excited about. And, and it's like thinking about change and what change is sustainable too, right? Change has to be rooted in something true. Otherwise, it's just chaos for the, for the sake of chaos. Yes. Yeah. And I'm, I've been thinking lately about how it feels sort of strange that we always like when we imagine Capricorn, we imagine this upward movement, Mm. but Capricorn is an earth sign and earth draws down. (laughs) So I I'm just thinking about that lately. And what, what does that mean exactly? You know, that I, I think it's because 
I said this yesterday in um, there was like a casual gathering of some of the students in charting your course currently. And I said, Capricorn has been co-opted by Empire. I think, so I'm thinking lately about how we always, when we think about these, you know, I don't know, the rules or even like, so the rules of our society say we should climb, right? That the, like if we follow like the tradition or what we're, I'm just speaking really, I guess I'm mostly speaking to my experience in American culture growing up yeah. as an American, um, that, you know, you it, even this concept of path or am, ambition or success, these things that we apply to Capricorn is like, there's always this upward kind of movement, mm-hmm. um, which is part of, I think, our narrative of pulling yourself up. But I'm just thinking lately, I'm curious what you think about like the reversal of that. And like, why do we, why do we talk about Capricorn as climbing upward despite it being uh, an earth sign? Wow. I don't think I have an answer for you, but I, (laughs) I do think, you know, this is interesting because I think it's connected to this phenomenon I've noticed in general around folks being very drawn to things that are kind of high vibrational, right? Because Mm. to me, energy is extremely, um, and, and I understand this is a bit of a left turn, but I promise I have a point. Energy to me is very neutral, right? And I think thinking about high vibrational energy, low vibrational energy becomes a problem when we impose a certain moral structure onto it. Because Mm. in music, for example, right, there is truly something that is high frequency and some, some notes or some sounds that are low frequency. And there's nothing, neither of them are better or worse. But, but I do notice a certain interesting phenomenon where it looks like as humans, we are much more attracted to the high frequency. Mm-hmm. For example, if you look at opera singers or even pop singers, how many pop singers nowadays um, have lower voices versus those that have very high, you know, kind of soprano or tenor voices, right? It's really yeah. interesting to think about our obsession as humans. I don't know if it's a human obsession or if it's a cultural obsession. Mm-hmm. towards things that are like quick and like high right and and so i i do think that this ascent mentality has to do with maybe how we've been programmed how yeah. we've been um religious programming i think absolutely has a high um mm, or plays yes. a large role in this right like this idea that the ascent is more glorious than the descent and it's really interesting because that's not even a Christian idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> think about Christianity, like God literally descended, yeah. not ascended, right? <laughs> but you're right. There no, is, yeah. it is like, there's a separation involved in it too, like rising up above, like rising above our earthly existence, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think there is meaning making associated with that ascent right Mm -hmm. but somehow the ascent 
is a reflection of someone's goodness, which I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but what, what I have seen reflected is that often this idea of ascending, I see that it does more harm in the collective than good. Yeah. I think when I think about it, when I envision that, like even a mountain peak, I'm seeing like, and, and us as humans being drawn to that image, I'm seeing the hierarchy, you know, like a, uh, one individual. Cause also it's so fascinating. I'm thinking about the layers in my own psyche. I'm not imagining like sea goats climbing up. It's always like, it's like this one. Why is that? You know, it's cap- <laughs> that doesn't, that's wrong. I think. I, I think. I think it's like many sea goats climbing up to the top together. Capricorn's transpersonal. You know, mm-hmm. not. This is not just about the individual. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yes. I love that, Mallory. So yeah. I, I see like power at the top. It's like that's a place of power. And of course, when we're propping up individuals to these places of power, that's why we have you know the the harm and destruction. Um, that that we're experiencing but i'm i'm just imagining like well if we reframe now i'm going to really sit with that image of like many sea goats climbing up to the top and kind of as a demonstration of like not power over power with mm-hmm. and like you said when you were describing like yes you go up but then you still climb down and it's like we're not going up to the mountain to just stay there you know, up, up in the clouds, like Mm -hmm. we have work to do. That's what I, that's what I'm feeling about Capricorn now is like, okay, we got lots of work to do together here. Let's do it. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So exciting. Um, Yeah. I, I, my next question for you is I'm curious if you want to bring in personal ways that you've worked with Capricorn in ways that perhaps feel healing or or maybe if i you know phrase that question a a slightly different way if you the times when you personally feel stuck in like a stagnant capricorn energy have you called in another archetype or a, a reframe perhaps of the capricorn energy that you feel is kind of a juicy um medicine I have an answer and it feels like it's not the kind of answer you want or or I don't think you want a specific answer but I have an answer but it feels sort of rebellious. <clears throat> I think the archetype is the swamp hag who's mm. okay with the stagnant stagnant water at this time. <laughs> like Yeah. yeah I I really love bogs. I think a lot about bogs and swamps. And I, I was this morning, actually, I was looking through old journals. I have one from when was this? Well, like April, June, I was like writing about swamps and bogs and stagnant water. And I was, I think I was reading Darby Costello's book on water. And she talks about how like we need stagnant water. <laughs> Mm. We need it. Um, and and how much um, – if you purify water too much, then you kill the life and the diversity 
the biodiversity. It's just kind of describing, talking about all the, um, the, that a bog is really teeming with life actually, but it is, yeah, it's, it's, you can't move easily through it. It's uncomfortable probably. And I do think so much of Capricorn is learning how to move through, move with discomfort, how to, um, I don't know, work with tension yeah. and, and then is like moving as a result of tension, right? Like that, that, that tension or discomfort is what then moves us into something else. But I don't know. I just think the archetype that I call in is like this hag who's okay with it, who's like really messy and dirty. She doesn't care. She really doesn't care it. that there's like muck all around her. Like this is this is her, um, you know, this is where she gets her materials. It's like work with it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I love that. I've been <laughs> I've been creating um, some content for um, the Witches Muse podcast. I don't know if you're aware of uh, Tara's work, but. Uh, they invited me to speak about the moon card. And this was kind of, you know, a different lens or a different entry point perhaps towards this. But but I've been thinking a lot about this experience of stuckness, of not knowing, mm -hmm. right? Of like being in the dark and how sometimes the reason why it hasn't cleared is because there's something else you're supposed to learn from this, not in like a masochistic way, mm -hmm. but just kind of... Um, in building a, a way to be able to root deeper into our experience, right? Yeah. And, and I do think that there's something Capricornian about that too, like just allowing ourselves to kind of be in that unpleasantness of that experience at that very moment. Yeah. yeah. And, and kind of like... Um... I guess for me, I feel like it's really anything like that. Any, anytime I'm talking about pain and discomfort and hardship, like how can I ever tell someone else how to deal with that? Like I, I can't, but I know for myself, yeah, as someone who I, I have these periods of darkness and, you know, that cycle through me and it does feel, I feel very stuck. I can't really move well. Um, the only other thing I wanted to say is that I, that, that makes me think about um, plants and plant medicine and some of the most um, healing plants that I've worked with. Uh, I, I do actually have a lot of stagnation in my body, like sort of stagnant digestion. And also like when I get sick, I get really swollen lymph nodes, like mm. in my body <laughs> as a, um, this, this body as it is now and has kind of always been fluids can kind of build up. Sorry, that's a little descriptive, but so I, I do then I work with plants that help bring movement. Like I'm thinking about calendula and how calendula act in specifically um, can promote the movement of fluid through the body and it can break up congestion and and stagnant you know um, material in the body and so I, I do think that's another thing it's not necessarily an archetype but when 
it reminds me of how when I'm in that sort of place, movement is so necessary. I love Finding that. ways to move. I love yeah. that. And also calendula, at least I kind of associate it with uh, the sun. And it's kind yes. of interesting to think about, yes. um, you know, Saturnian ailments, right? Like that stuckness and countering that with a solar plant. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, 100%. Yes. That's how I feel about St. John's work and my mm-hmm. and my joints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, yeah. I also I also want to add one other um the first the first herb that I ever started working with was mullen. And mm-hmm. um mullen is my my teacher Alexis J Cunningfolk. She she's also a beautiful writer and had um kind of stewards the lunar apothecary which I've been like very slowly working through. She associates mullen with Capricorn as I think like a guardian herb for Capricorn. And I find that interesting because that was the first herb I ever started working with. And it kind of loops back to what you were describing about voice because mm-hmm. mullen, mullen is, is really supportive of um, the respiratory, has an affinity for the respiratory system. And when we have, you know, things stuck in our chest and in our throat, mullen can be really helpful for clearing that out expelling that clearing blocks again is kind of s- similar um and i it, it just makes me think about like uh another element of capricorn especially times is like sitting and stewing in unexpressed feeling yes. you know and that, that's part of the stuckness is just like uh, and especially for me unexpressed anger you know, which can feel like a swampy, poisonous place to sit in it, when it's not expressed. And mullen is also such has been such a an ally for me in um, clearing the channel for my voice. And you know, as you and I have talked about, so much grief also resides in our in our throat. Absolutely, right? and creating this channel for expression which is so important for me, I believe, as a very Capricornian person, is being able to clear the channel to express. So I'm not carrying things that I don't want to be carrying um, up the hill or wherever it is we're moving. Yeah. I'm mindful that we have to come to a close. So I'm, (laughs) I'm curious that, I'm curious if there's a particular pathway that you would like to kind of explore as our last topic, um, yeah. Is there anything that feels, or would you like me to pick? I think I want you to pick, but also I'm just amazed with how time passes when we're talking. It's crazy, man. <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe we have to come to a close. It feels like 10 minutes. <laughs> it did, yeah. I love it. I love it. And I, I think that also probably speaks to the potency of, um, of creating mm-hmm. this container and talking about Capricorn, which is, I think, the the godfather of containers, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Where I really want to go next is actually around lineage, because I'm not fully sure what my question here is, but I, I remember you had brought up your um, grandmother and how we mm-hmm. both 
share the same birthday with our grand- grandmothers. Like I share the same birthday with my grandmother and you with yours. Mm. And and how to me Capricorn is so much um, reflective of an awareness of lineage. And I want to be very clear here because I don't think that Capricorn energy in the chart is always describing lineage, but it can point to where we are aware of the ways in which we inherit and we inherit from and inherit to others, right? And kind of how we are part of this circle of life. Um, And I also have been thinking about how lineage is not just vertical right? That is also horizontal. And it's like you and I, for example, both being, um, you know, having having done our personal work for a while, but kind of at this point where we are saying yes to be more public about yeah. our vocation <laughs> and, yeah. and, and how the horizontality of our friendship, our relationship, there's something that I inherit from you too, Mallory, and probably mm-hmm. something you inherit from me. And I don't, I don't really know if there's a question there, but I'm curious to hear any insights you have as I offer that up to you, Capricorn and lineage. Yeah. Well, you saying that, if I lay that concept onto my chart and my relationship to just starting with starting with my family lineage it feels so true Mm. um having capricorn in the fifth house thinking about your question and what you're saying um yeah I'm, i'm especially lately very aware of how the gifts that i um, possess that I wish to share share with the world are gifts of my lineage. Just like also the, you know, and it's not just gifts that we inherit. <laughs> Our the legacies are um, can be beautiful, but also painful and um, you know violent. And you know, there's a the kind of dual process of connecting more deeply and saying, okay, this gets gets carried on and this does not, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Yeah. But I think thinking just about fifth house, which is about pleasure and joy and creation, those are things I have a really beautiful, positive relationship with. I do really acknowledge that, you know, I think about my grandmother and I think I share I shared with you that my grandmother and Mallory E. B. She was such a she was such a creative person um, with many, many modalities. So I, I really like relate to that aspect as well. That she she just created in so many ways. First of all, having so many children. She had eight. <laughs> um, wow. And and it, she, yeah, I don't, it was not her plan. And also she, being a Capricorn son, she had like a, a strong sense of humor around that. She wrote me a letter once and she just described like, yeah, I, 
what did she say? I just kept getting pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's really real, isn't it? That, that was like the situation, um, for her and, and many others. She just, um, she didn't want to have so many children, but she did. Mm. Um, and she, so she was very like fertile in that way, but also she was, a you know, a published writer. Uh, she was a poet and a gardener to beautiful gardens and, um, you know, made clay figures, baked them in her kiln. And I, and now I, I can look at my mother. My mother is also a very creative person. She's very, um, she has beautiful gardens. People, people stop outside my mom's garden to thank her. <laughs> like they thank her for her gardens because they bless their walk, their morning walk, that sort of thing. They're really just mm. beautiful. So yeah. I totally agree. And I really love thinking about Capricorn in that way that, and for me coming into a deeper reverence for my artistic gifts and for my creative gener- generativity, I guess, um, that that is something to hold very sacred because that comes from somewhere that comes from, um, those who came before that that's something passed to me. And like you said, I'm also passing that around. And I think we're in this beautiful space of being able to share our gifts with each other and share our wisdom. And I don't know, the Capricorn in me just wants to say like, take that seriously. You know, like really take that seriously, whatever that means. Treat that with reverence. Treat that as a sacred thing uh, that we have access to. Thank you. Mm. So my last question for you is, how do you think your sense of the future and what's possible for the collective have shifted through your personal and public grappling with tarot, with astrology, and with all of your creative practices? I'm just thinking about all the sea goats climbing together up the mountain, <laughs> which I, which really it emerged from this conversation, but yes. it's like such an explanation of, of what I feel about that question. Mm. Um, Yes, archetypal languages help us to connect beyond our deeper within and also beyond um, ourselves. Tarot, and especially most importantly, I think connecting with other tarot readers, with astrologers, people like you, friends in my community who are, we're kind of sharing um, what we've learned and sharing our desires and. Um, these are all frameworks that are so flexible and so, I guess they're malleable and so ready to be, I think, infused with our dreams for mm. what we want to build um, and destroy. Yeah. Destroy and then rebuild. Mm. Um, and I, and I, there's no way that we do that alone or with a singular singular vision, we're doing it in um, these groups, moving together. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Thank you, Mallory. 
Thank, thank you, you for having this conversation with me. This has been really life-giving for me. <laughs> I'm so, so glad. Me too. You. Yes. <laughs> it's a huge, huge honor to be a part of this project. And I love, I love our conversations and the way energy moves between us. Uh, it's really exciting. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, I guess my final, final question is, and sometimes I forget to ask this question. It's probably bad <laughs> podcasting behavior. But um, how can folks find you? And are there any offerings you're excited to kind of share with folks at this moment? Um, yes, you can find me on Instagram at Mallory Dowd or on my website, MalloryDowd.com. Um, I'm currently offering... I. For some time, I've been offering um, intuitive tarot readings in two forms, either in person uh, here in Seoul or on Zoom, um, which I call the cauldron. My readings generally, those last 60 to 90 minutes, depending on the, the person. But yes, that's a, a very spacious, spacious space. Uh, that's redundant. Anyway, a spacious um, container container thank you for um diving into uh, and just a number of topics i tend i i do like notice that i read for a lot of creative people um folks feeling kind of stuck or stagnant um working through some material and wanting direction um so anyway that's the cauldron and i do also offer what i am calling the journey which is a recorded divination so that's not face-to-face. -face. Um, it's a little shorter, but it tends to be, um, yeah, that's more of a divinatory offering. I set up a ritual space and I will um, create a spread based on a theme or a question. And I'm also doing a limited number of readings for the new year um, throughout January, basically January, 2022, called Crossing the Threshold. That was sort of a very spontaneous thing that came to me and I decided to say yes to it. So I'm only doing 10 of those readings. And at the time of this recording, there's a wait list, but that will not be a thing by the time you've released this. Uh, but that's that's a year ahead reading. We'll work with soul card and personal cards for 2021 and 2022 to kind of create a bridge from what was into what will be. Mm -hmm. um, but it is also a recorded, not a live uh, experience. And so I'm, I'm wrapping in some theatrical poetics and um, et cetera into that offering. So you can find information about that uh, on my website, on my Instagram as well. I love that. Thank you, Mallory. <laughs> Thank you for your presence, your creativity, and all that you're bringing and for reframing Capricorn with me today. Thank you so much, Jonathan. It was such a joy. That's it for my conversation with Mallory. I hope that the Capricorn part of you felt seen by this conversation. As always, you can find all the ways to connect with Mallory in the show notes below. On Instagram, you will get to read Mallory's beautiful blackout poetry and also her musings on the tarot. You can also book sessions and recorded readings with Mallory. I've received 
just such beautiful readings from Mallory and I experience her to be an incredible space holder and a really compassionate intuitive. If you found this podcast or this conversation to be inspiring, nourishing, or helpful in some ways, I would love it if you could subscribe, rate, or review this podcast with five stars or whatever is the highest ranking on your podcast app. If you think that someone else will be benefiting from this episode, I would love it if you could share it with them or if you could share it publicly on social media with a friend or with your community. Any little bit of sharing truly helps for this little project that I'm doing out of my apartment in Brooklyn. Okay, so until next time, I hope you take good care of yourself and I'm sending you so much love. Thank you for listening.